Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Unscheduled CEO Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about how to figure out what you want and how to get what you want. It's kind of a big one, isn't it? Like, a lot of life is about, like, what do I want? How do I get it? If you're watching the video version of this, which there is, go to YouTube, type in the unscheduled CEO. You'll see the setup. I've got some new cameras to show how all of this is working. This is the roadcaster. Everything's pretty much going through this. How's everyone doing? You ready for some comfort noise? You ready to play this in the background while you're shaving, cleaning dishes, driving? I don't know. I decided to change the theme song, the intro song, to something that gets me a little bit more hyped up. I know people don't like change. But, you know, there's not so many people listening to this podcast yet, so just going to do it. Ah. All right, just make sure I'm recording here and recording here. So it's Monday, the 6th of February, 2023, and just had a really nice morning at AJ and Smart. It, was, uh, it started off kind of tough the morning because I had to... <laughs> get my daughter ready for the kindergarten you know she had me up at 6 a.m and uh but yeah and it's also snowing like crazy in berlin today the traffic is insane i mean the germans they can handle the snow but when it's the first day of snow shit hits the fan um we've got like the entire workshopper team in the office today uh one person just ryan just arrived in from south africa although to be honest he looked very very fresh for such a long journey and, uh, yeah, we've got, we have a team retreat coming up. We're going to Sweden on Friday. Uh, we're going to be staying at the JP Manor in Sweden. And, uh, basically this is a guy called JP Phillips. He's one of the world's most well-known, uh, public speaking and storytelling coaches. And we decided as a Christmas present for the team, to book out, book JP Phillips and his team to, um, to stay at his manor in Sweden. And basically what we asked him is like, what we're interested in is, cause he also does a lot of things on Instagram. If you look at his Instagram around the topic of happiness and well being. And we asked him, look, we, there's some public speaking things we're interested in, but what we want to do is just give our team a really special experience. Um, in the, in the nature of Sweden and just all hang out together and have fun. So that's coming up this weekend. And I'm really looking forward to that. Now uh, the whole team is going. So we're flying to Sweden, uh, on, uh, Friday and we are staying at the manor until Monday. And yeah, it's going to be good fun. So check out J. If you ever want to like learn some good public speaking, check out JP Phillips, uh, David JP Phillips. Um, if I didn't say David earlier, sorry, it's David JP Phillips. He's, uh, yeah, we booked him for the AJ and Smart, uh, workshop retreat this year as well. He definitely put on an amazing show. Uh, got some really amazing reviews from the, 
from the audience. And yeah, really, yeah, that's, that's super exciting. So the whole team is here. We had a team breakfast this morning. It was actually a packed morning today. Brought my kid to the Kita. It's snowing. Uh, it's crazy to get here. Uh, I arrived in the office. I had a call with Tim from AJ and Smart. Tim's been working at AJ and Smart for like eight years now. He's our, I guess, our lead designer, lead, lead UX and UI designer. He's an amazing, amazing, amazing UX and UI designer. I remember when I met him, uh, eight years ago and he did a job for us. He did a job for eBay. I think it was one of our clients back in the day. And I remember seeing his screens after I gave him a very, very simple explanation of what I remember I had worked with a lot of designers before and I would give them like a brief and I would realize, Oh my God, I have to be better at briefs because I have to be way more specific because I never get back what I actually want. And I obviously kind of defaulted to, well, this is my fault. I need to solve this and blah, blah, blah. And then we hired Tim and it's like, Oh no, when you have a really amazing designer, they basically can read your mind. <laughs> and so I just had a call with Tim. So I had a call with Tim at like, uh, 9am briefed him on a design project, a software as a service design project that I'm personally, uh, leading in the background, which I don't usually do at AJ and Smart. It's not actually for a client. It's a whole, um, I don't want to talk about it on the podcast. It's a secret right now, but it's, it's a big deal. Uh, I'll talk about it some other time, but yeah, it's a project that I'm leading. Um, and I'm very excited about it. So I'm going to be looking at the results of this over the next three days. I have Tim. I managed to get Tim off of big corporate client projects, uh, just for a few days. I, um, I asked Sarah and Steve, who are running the consulting team, if I could have access to him for a few days, and I got it, and I'm very excited. So started the day off with a chat with Tim, then had breakfast with the workshopper team who's having their Monday morning breakfast, and here I am right now with a cold brew coffee. As you know, if you've listened to the podcast, it's because I need this shit because I get heartburn, and normal coffee kind of gives me heartburn. And uh, yeah, we're 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 just going to... We're going to vibe out. I'm going to drink this coffee now. So I played around a lot with the setup podcast setup last week. Um, as you know, I got the YouTube video version of this online, uh, which is kind of cool to see. Actually, what I never realized is that people, a lot of people do not use podcast apps for podcasts. They use YouTube. So a lot of you are watching it here or have it playing in the background. And so, yeah, a lot of people, uh, I think we got like 600 views on that video, um, combined with the, let's say 1,300 ish listens, whatever that is, uh, in the podcast apps. And so, yeah, I'm kind of looking, I basically, my goal every week is just to make this bigger and, um, also just experiment. This is really, was talking to uh just talking to a lot of different people about this podcast like why am i doing it and it's just my it's sort of like an art project for me so you know someone left a comment on the youtube video um i actually muted this person because it's it's not that i can't take criticism it's just with some things i'm not looking for any criticism i'm not doing this to make any i'm not doing this for any specific reason other than it's an art project and it's for my own entertainment and uh I also very clearly say up front, you know, don't listen to this podcast if you just want pure information. It's mostly kind of noise in the background and experiments from my side. And if you're interested, if it if it's interesting for you to hear 
someone creating a podcast basically in real time, then that is going to be interesting to you. But if not, it's not. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's unedited. It's long. It's rambly. It's chaotic. But you know what? Some people will like this and, uh, you're my people. You understand me. But yeah, the comment that was left wasn't even that bad. It was like a very passive aggressive comment saying something along the lines of, uh, um, I watched this at 1.7 speed and I still got nothing out of it. And your content is always so pointless and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I was thinking, why, why do I know like people have to leave? Like, I know it's, it's a thing that happens on the internet and this is fine. And I understand it. And this is nothing like we've been, I've been getting this shit for years. Um, but I'm always like, what, what, what is happening in this person's head that they'll, over and over tell me that they hate the content and they've hated it for years and still do that to themselves they still listen to the shit um seems like not not a great use of time uh but yeah cool to have it on youtube and uh, i really appreciate also the comments on youtube that of course helps um with the uh getting other people to know the podcast so yeah now if you're sharing the pod if you find the podcast interesting for example if you find this episode interesting Maybe it's better to share like the YouTube segment um, or the section of the YouTube video uh, that you like. And, and I know people are also asking for chapters so that it's easier to find where the actual information in the podcast is. It's not like I don't know that this podcast needs chapters. It's just that I don't want to do it. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, what? I need chapters. What a great idea. Jesus. Come on. Lance. Come on. So, um, Yeah. Today I want to talk about, uh, and I already mentioned it, like, I do want to go into this topic of, it's it's interesting, again, these podcasts for me are more like a way to talk out topics that are going around in my head, and so today is going to be this topic of how to get what you want, how to figure out what you want, but also I want to talk about selfishness, and selfishness is usually viewed as a bad thing, or at least the way it's talked about, but I think there's a lot of positive things that can come from selfishness. And I think not be, or striving to not be selfish can sometimes uh, make your life and the life of the people uh, who you spend time with kind of shitty. So that's going to be the big topic. That's going to be the big thing we're going to talk about. I also thought, uh, you know, AJ and Smart released a new video last week called Why You Should Stop Charging by the Hour and What to Do Instead. And and this is not... this This video is basically... Here's how we make, here's how we charge clients more than maybe other agencies. Uh, and here's the systems we, we use to charge clients more. And I think maybe I'll react to that just because, which is weird because I'm reacting to a video of myself teaching a topic, but maybe it's interesting for me because I recorded this video all, almost a year ago. I think you'll see my hair is much shorter, maybe exactly a year ago. And I do think a lot of people listening to this are consultants or, business owners who would find that interesting and who maybe have not watched this video. And so there's a couple of things in here, you know, how to move, basically, how do you move from hourly pricing to uh, package pricing, which is something I can talk about a lot of because that's what I did with this business, which was, I I think, a, a real game changer. And uh, yeah, what else? Another thing that happened was myself and Jake Knapp we did an episode of a podcast together. Jake Knapp is the guy who um, wrote the book Sprint. Him and I used to have a podcast together. 
And we did a podcast together on a, another podcast called Metacast. So if you search Metacast episode for Jake and Jonathan do America, um, you can, I think I can just jump to it here. Uh, let's see. I'll turn this on. I've been preparing for this all day. One, two. All right, let me go back to the start here. Listen to this. You can hear the intro. Sounds Would serious. Would you guys be up for singing this song to finish this up? Only if you guys sing it with us. Are we doing uh, Jake and Jonathan or Product Breakfast Club? I've been preparing for this all day. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Jake and Jonathan. 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 So yeah, that's you definitely if you're interested in myself and Jake doing a podcast together, um it's a rare appearance of myself and Jake on a podcast. Uh and no, I'm not doing links in the description because I don't really I want this to be super easy for myself. So just go to YouTube, check out Metacast Jake and Jonathan, you'll find it. Um that was a fun that was a fun thing to do. I don't know why the exposure keeps changing on my face. Uh, I'm just going to see if I, if I close these curtains, will that make any difference? Uh, let's see if that makes any difference. Uh, I don't know. Well, maybe. So yeah, Jake and Jonathan, check that out. If you're interested in what myself and Jake have been up to and where, where we disappeared to. <laughs> and yeah, another thing, the facilitator club community that we created that I announced on this podcast that I announced the project of setting it up. If you're interested in, um, how that's been going, it's been going pretty well. We have 1000, uh, members, more than a thousand members. Um, the engagement rate, which is something that we measure is like over 67%, uh, meaning over 67% of people who are in this community are actually engaging. And yeah, it's been a really interesting experiment to see, can we build a brand new facilitation community? Um, and that has a different vibe from other, our other communities that's 100% facilitation focused. And can we make that valuable for people? And so far, it's been super interesting. If you want to see how that experiment looks, check out facilitatorclub.com. Um, and yeah, my team and myself are learning a lot of new workshops, a lot of new icebreakers and not a, new, a lot of new, uh, facilitation techniques. And what's actually cool is you can unlock these. We're allowing people, like, the more you engage, the more points you get. And then you can also unlock, like, free, uh, parts of our courses and stuff, which is a nice little experiment. So my team's really, uh, hardcore on that one. And yeah, the month closed. I, I probably mentioned this last week. Um, the month closed out. So we are right now on the 6th of February. So last week I was looking at the final numbers and they just got finalized like two days ago, properly finalized. And, uh, yeah, we had our best January ever, which is fantastic. Like the final net gross, all of that shit came in and best January ever. So absolutely delighted about that. So fucking congratulations to the AJ and Smart team. Um, I'm going to move this light. Let me just give me a second here. Let's see if that works better. Hmm, I don't like this. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, God. 
for the people listening to the audio podcast. I apologize. I don't think this made it better. Mm, probably made it worse, but uh, maybe it's better. Well, you can see the light in the shot now. I really hope there's a couple of people out there who find it interesting to see all of this stuff happening in real time. So yeah, Facilitator Club, really, really interesting project that's going on right now at AJ and Smart. Um, had a really interesting meeting on Friday as well with Laura, who runs the workshopper team. Um, she had a call, I don't know, Thursday night or something, um, with someone who's helping us out with some sales tactics and some sales training. Um, and she came to me with a lot of really interesting ideas for the rest of the year, uh, with workshopper, a couple of new product ideas and everything. So yeah, workshopper really excited about how that's all going to play out this year. Very, very excited. So yeah, look at this. It's like a moody, dark background. I'm just like annoyed about the shot here on YouTube. I think what I can do, wait a second. I can, oh, I'm going to reach behind here and, uh, mm, See, I know how to do it without even looking. There we go. That looks a bit brighter. Um, yeah, so Facilitator Club, killing it. Uh, we're still all in on facilitation as like our business niche that we want to go all in on. And yeah, I'm still, we're still pumping away on that. And the podcast, I mean, how's this doing? I have no idea. Like a couple of, uh, like over a thousand people are, seem to be listening to it. Uh, some people seem to like it. Some people seem to understand the comfort noise aspect of it. And of course, uh, some people don't like it. <laughs> I actually saw a funny comment today on LinkedIn, uh, about this. I'll read it out. So somebody, uh, talked about like the emotional roller coaster that it, the podcast brought them on. <laughs> um, I found it funny. So <clears throat> Sonia Baines writes, I listened to episode two and three. And I noticed I went through an emotional cycle with myself. First, I was confused of how I ended up on episode three. Second, going crazy about Jonathan not coming to the point before 50 minutes in. At this point, I thought, I'm not giving him another chance. This podcast isn't feeding me with loads of business advice. Third and final one, enjoying the ride and noticing that we really don't need to wring every bit of value out of our time at all times. Exactly. Like, really, this is not a... This is not an efficient use of your time. For sure, it's not. It's maybe better than like listening, uh, watching stupid TikToks and Instagram videos because you might get some information. If you're trying to build a business, if you're trying to build a small business or become a high paid consultant, imagine. So hanging out with people who are ahead of you in business is very handy. Like sometimes it just rubs off and you become more successful just by hanging around with people who are successful. Well, if I'm somehow more successful than you in business or consulting, just imagine it's like a hangout and that maybe a tiny bit of it rubs off, but I'm not here to necessarily give value. I'm here currently to um, test out equipment, entertain myself and yeah, find, I suppose find my people, <laughs> find the people who enjoy this type of thing where 20 minutes in, um, you haven't learned anything, but what you have learned is it's snowing in Berlin. Uh, you can see how I'm moving buttons around here if you're, if you're on YouTube and, oh, you know what I should, I should add like a reaction scene to this scene here on YouTube. So you can see 
both my face and my hands, what I'm doing when I'm, when I'm doing uh, music. I also wanted to make this one a little bit more musical and a little bit more, um, like, I don't know, like, I like the idea of there being like a nice vibe while you're listening to the podcast while nothing is happening. So right now I'm fading in some music for you, uh, as you can see here. And it's just a vibe. How much, how little content can I get away with here? It's just a vibe. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Also, this uh, last week I recorded. If you look at the YouTube channel, I recorded. So I did a I did a podcast on Monday last week. I released it on Monday last week. <laughs> Then I did a uh, YouTube video on Friday showing how all my equipment works. I just posted that on YouTube and I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't tell anyone about it. I just posted it on YouTube. And if you listen to how, if you look at how sick I am on Monday on the YouTube and hear my voice and then look at me on the Friday, I was fucked. I think I had COVID. It kept coming up negative, but I couldn't smell anything. I couldn't taste anything. I had a nasty cough, cold, all that nasty shit. And, uh, oh, listen to that flute coming in. And yet today you can still hear it. Like I'm still, <laughs> I'm still fucked. And you know what? This is, this is not an ad, but please sponsor me, Athletic Greens. I, I take Athletic Greens, the, um, vitamin supplement, the vitamin supplement drink, and I took a break from it. I don't know. I just kind of somehow forgot to take it for like two weeks. I am, I basically never get sick while I'm taking this thing and, and I took a break. My sister took a break as well and I was talking to her today about it and she said she took a break and she also got sick. So maybe the business model of Athletic Greens AG1 is, you're fuck, it, it holds back all of the disease and the second you stop taking it, it blasts you with it as punishment. So it worked on me. I, I got right back on it. So yeah, Athletic, Athletic Greens seems to, Seems to do the trick if you can't eat like super healthily all the time. Uh, somebody's running around here. Let me just check. I think they're looking for coffee beans in the office. We're low on beans, guys. It's a very, very important issue at the AJ and Smart office. All right, let's take a look at this um, video on our YouTube channel uh, together. It's called Why You Should Stop Charging by the Hour and What to Do Instead. If you think you know about this um, topic already, then it doesn't matter because this is going to be slightly different. Okay. Let's react here to this. Um, let's watch, let's watch me with shorter hair and with fresh braces. Something faster for a client. I often, oh, this video starts very suddenly. Um, so it's going to seem a bit weird, but this is actually the start of the video. And that's really what you got to get into. Let's just Smart go. Here. And Let's go to here. Hey everyone, Jonathan from AJ and Smart here. And today I'm going to show you how to make more money, get more respect from your clients and have less stress by not charging per hour. Let's go. For any of you who don't know me, I run an agency called AJ and Smart. We're a product design studio, a strategy studio. We've been around for 10 years. I've been running it for 10 years. And we've only really started to change our pricing model in maybe... Man, I remember the first few weeks of getting braces uh, and it was so hard to do YouTube videos because they like, 
scrape off the inside of your gums and also you drool a lot one year ago my teeth have changed a lot of one year why am i a 34 year old with braces that's a story for another time the last four years and it completely changed everything for us but let's go back to hourly pricing which is the way we used to do it back you know four or five years ago when a client would ask us hey can you do this project or if they would ask me hey can you do this project i would go away i think about what how many hours need to be done i would put everything together based on the hours i think we need so i would send them a proposal which would say ux design 20 hours and that's how much one hour of ux design costs and so this is how much it's going to cost you for the ux design ui design yeah it was crazy i remember like I remember um, chatting with other agency owners, and I'll probably say that here, and I would just be like, yeah, but how do you come up with this number of 22,000 or 58,000 or 10,000? And they're just like, Ugh. you basically try to figure out what the client can afford and you just fill it up with bullshit until they accept it. But yeah, you'll, you'll see the point when I kind of play this through. This is how many hours, et cetera, et cetera. Strategy, this is how many hours. Oh, by the way... Um, does the audio of my voice sound better right now? I've, I've changed the settings on the microphone so that it's, um, not so tinny. And I've also increased the compression of it so that it kind of sits above the other things. So it might sound, if, if I've done it correctly, it might sound like my voice is louder. So I've been just fucking with that louder than the previous episodes, louder and bassier etc etc and at the end i would show them the price let's say all of that added up to thirty-five thousand five hundred euro and now they can see how all of that price breaks down and by the way this is how a lot of agencies and big consultancies do it so i just assumed this is the right way to do it what would inevitably happen if you're on youtube let me know do you like my hair now wait let me let me uh let me change do you like this hair i'm taking off the headphones to show you okay Okay, you like that? Like long, very long. Uh huh. Uh huh. Or, yeah, I'm doing the podcast. Don't worry, you can come in. I'm just asking the audience if they like my hair now or in this old video here. If you walk in, you're gonna be on in the podcast, just so you know. So here, look, here's me. Uh, okay, I'm changing to the reaction scene. Oh, thanks for a tea. So, everyone listening, do you like my hair short like this? You like it longer, right? I like it longer. Yeah. Well, what, whatever the audience says, I have to do. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> so, guys, a very important. Okay, back to the reaction. You you don't need to be quiet, by the way. You can you can walk in and. How was the meeting? Yeah, it was good vibes. Cool. Good vibes. Everyone excited about Sweden. I told I told the audience about the trip. The ice bath. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't tell people that we're going to be doing ice baths. I just said search the guy. Okay, um I Laura's being uh, as loud as humanly possible here in the background uh, smashing things. No, no, it's good. It's realistic. It's realistic. We're back to the reaction. We're back to the reaction. You actually don't have to be quiet. It is, I like that it's realistic. I like that it's realistic. All right. I actively want to make it as unprofessional and rude as possible so that people don't accidentally think I'm telling I'm talking to you now Laura sorry I don't want people to have the false impression that this is going to be a valuable podcast do you know what I mean 
I don't like if someone listens to this and they're like, oh, I didn't get any value from it. It means they didn't actually listen to it because I'm telling them they won't get value from it. It's an un, it's an unscheduled everything. All right, I'm I'm going back to this YouTube video that I'm I'm reacting to myself. All right, talk to you in a bit. And this happens with all agencies. Is the client will come back and say, actually, we don't need. Maybe I should go slightly back in the video so you guys remember what we were talking about. Let me just slightly go back. Consultancies do it, so I just assumed this is the right way to do it. What would inevitably happen, and this happens with all agencies, is the client will come back and say, "Actually, we don't need that many strategy days, or do you really need that many UI days, etc., etc., etc." And maybe they're able to get us down to like 25k, and I'm already reducing the amount of hours, and we're playing this weird game where I've basically presented, "I think it's going to take this many hours," and they've said, "Well, we don't think it's going to take that many hours," and we're arguing about the price, and let's say we get it down and we do the project in the end maybe it's actually weird to watch these videos back because first of all i never remember when they were recorded like i said this was a year ago and a lot of the comments that i want to make right now a lot of the things i want to say i am actually saying in the video so it's cool because these videos are not uh for some behind the scenes of our youtube channel um i don't have a script i don't have a i'm not reading anything um generally like i'll come into the room and Ellie, who does our YouTube channel, he's like, can you do a video about why we, sh- why people shouldn't charge by the hour? And then I'll just start talking for 20 minutes. So similar to this podcast, except then Ellie edits it to make it not as rambly as this. And, um, yeah, then, so when I'm watching it back, I'm like, oh my God, like these are, these things are true. But while I'm recording it, I'm not true, but these things are somewhat valuable. But when I'm recording, I'm like, oh my God, is anyone going to get anything out of this shit? Um, yeah, so it's cool to watch it back and be like, yeah, this actually is what I would say to somebody or this is what I would hope someone would say to somebody else. Maybe we need more hours, maybe we need less hours, and then we have to start rejigging things as we go. One of the biggest problems with allowing the client to remove things from the bill or from the proposal is that, and you accepting it, is that you're pretty much accepting to deliver lower quality to them than you wanted to. I actually prefer to say, well, I'm still going to do the same amount of work because this is how we work but we're giving you a discount. Yeah, shit. Um, I just turned off the audio for a second. Um, it is really weird to say, I'm going to lower, I'm going to remove these items. It's like going into, I don't know if I use this analogy in this video, but it is like going into a Michelin star restaurant and saying, you know what? I, this menu looks great. Uh, I would like to remove the truffle from this, this uh, pasta dish. Um, and I'd also like to remove um, the cream from this specific thing. And I'd like to remove like three of the oysters from that plate because yeah, that will lower the price. And then the person at the Michelin star restaurant saying, yeah, sure. No problem. I'll just remove those for you. And then you have a worse experience, uh, but you still got a cheaper thing. And then you have, when you leave that restaurant, you're thinking, oh, that place wasn't that good because you're not actually getting what they wanted to offer you. And that's what happens when you start to try to break everything down into these like hourly pricing nuggets. So yeah. Because we want to work together. I prefer to say that 
than to say, yeah, no problem. I'll just remove this thing which I thought was important. It's it's messing with your integrity if you're just allowing people to remove services from the proposal you're giving to people. After a couple of years of this, I realized it wasn't very useful. First of all, the estimate was very difficult to make with creative work or even facilitation work. Exactly how many hours I would need. Sometimes I needed less time. Sometimes I needed more time. Well, here's the thing. Let's say you have a workshop or you have a little bit of design work for two hours on a Monday. So you've planned in two hours on Monday, maybe 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. I have a meeting with a client, a design meeting with a client, and I just need two hours. Well, you don't just need two hours. That little slot that's happening in your day is going to distract you for the entire day, first of all. So no matter what you do with a client, you that's such a big thing. I just put loads of ice in my mouth and now I need to react. But this idea that um, if I wake up and there's a two-hour meeting at 3 p.m. And I've spoken to other people about this or a one-hour meeting at 3 p.m. All the rest of the day before it is fucked. I like can't, I can't concentrate. I'm just thinking about that thing, even if it's not important. Um, it just makes me less productive. And people who think that they can just do like a morning meeting and oh yeah, just a, something for a client at 4 p.m. till 6 p.m. And yet they'll actually still have a really productive day. I just don't believe it. Maybe if you're doing just really like banging out screens or something, but not if you have to do any real strategic work um, or get some thinking done. I hate, I hated that thing where I would be like, oh, um, well, because this client only booked seven hours, I'm only going to do 30 minutes for them today. It's, it's just so stupid. You should never be considering anything by the hour. The minimum you should be considering things with clients is per day. So at AJ and Smart, we don't think of anything less than a day. We won't do anything less than a day in terms of work because the context switching for a client is not worth it. So just at a baseline, it actually doesn't make sense to be doing things by the hour unless you're some kind of robot or, or running a company where the things are just really easy to do and you don't have to worry about context switching. So we started doing day rates for a while at AJ and Smart. And this was better. People nitpicked a little bit less. So we would have UX design, three days, UI design, four days, da -da -da -da, whatever. Clients still picked out a little bit, but a lot less. And what we realized by taking this experience that was really weird the way I said that. Picked at it a little bit. Let's listen to that again. It sounds like a weird invented Irish word. Clients still picked at it a little bit, but a lot less. Four days, da -da -da -da, whatever. Clients still picked at it a little bit, but a lot less. <laughs> and what we realized by taking this experiment or going with this experiment was that let's just take it all away, hide all of the complexity for the client. They don't care anyway, and just put the price there. And that worked so much better. What that also allowed us to do with AJ and Smart is just slowly increase that price based on the value we all right, I'm going to get another coffee and I'm going to let you guys watch the rest of this video because actually I don't need to, I don't need to comment so much. It's, it's doing its job. Um, and this is also part of how this podcast works. So back in a minute believe the client was getting from us. You've probably heard of value-based pricing, and that's basically the idea. You try to imagine what's the value the client is going to get from this, and then you're charging based on that. Now, I want to clarify one thing. Value-based pricing still requires some thought and calculation. We don't do that at AJ and Smart. Our calculation of how much something should cost, so when I charge 35,000 euro to run a leadership retreat, 
This is not based on that's how much value I think the company is going to get because actually I think they'll get a lot more than 35k because I work for a lot of large corporate corporates. It's more that feels right to me. It doesn't feel too low. It doesn't feel too high. But I don't want to justify how it all adds up based on hours and based on days and based on prep work. That's just the price that I'm personally happy with charging. And when too many clients are booking at that price, I raise the price. And when not enough clients are booking at that price, I lower the price. So it's not about exact calculations. It's about I want to charge that much because I feel like that's the right amount, and I slowly raise it until we get like the right sweet spot of amount of clients. So a couple of years ago, as a company, I decided that we're going to stop charging by hour and stop itemizing our bills. Instead, we're just going to go for package prices. So today, you know, this is what one of our proposals will look like. We'll just say design sprint, 130,000 euro. That's it. That's the whole thing. And what I thought would happen is that clients would come back to us and say, like, what's creating that number? How many hours? How many days? They don't ask us anything. It's very rare that a client will come back to us and ask for this. So for me, it's been a huge thing to move from this hourly rate thing and nitpicking with clients and trying to figure out exactly the amount of hours which nobody can versus just saying. Well, if you work with me for this type of work, for this type of package, it's 130k. Anything after that, we have to talk about a new package. The question is, how do you create a package if you're doing creative work or if you're doing consulting work? You know, back in the day at AJ and Smart, we were just doing the work that clients would call us to do. And eventually, I read a book called Built to Sell, and in this book, it showed me the way to package up services in a way that clients really easily understand and you can keep things standardized pretty much. So if you want to package things up, just look at something, look at the type of project you do and think about something that is actually always repeated. So is there like a research phase of a project that you do that's pretty much always the same? Well, maybe that could be packaged up into a research sprint with a very specific price versus all these small line items. So how do I do that? Well, I'll look at what is a generic, generic leadership retreat for me or a generic uh, product design project, which by the way, might not always perfectly fit. And then I use that as the starting template. So the starting template for a leadership retreat for me literally says leadership retreat, 35K, but what if the client wants me to fly to Japan, which happened as well a couple of years ago? Well, I'm just gonna add on like another 5,000 euro or 10,000 euro because it's more out of the way for me, but I don't have to add new line items in and the client just doesn't question it as much as me adding a line item that says extra travel or jet lag or something like this. It's just human nature. If you send me a receipt, if you send me a proposal and it's got all this stuff on it and it says 35K at the end, I'm gonna look for something that I don't need to make it cheaper. If you just send me the package with the price, I can't do anything about that. It's also more difficult for me to come back to you and say, hey, I don't like the price. That's more awkward. But if you just send me a massive list of things, I'm gonna come back to you and try to make that as cheap as possible. Whenever I talk about this, people ask, how do I transition current clients to actually moving away from hourly or daily to just package prices? Now, I would say it's easier as a first step with a client to move them from hourly to daily. I think that's a simple first step. If you're hourly, just understand. I'm back. And try to explain to the client, there is no such thing as hourly, really. If you're just doing two hours in the morning for one client, that's your whole day 
ruined for another client or ruined for creative work. So I would just never accept the idea that you're just going to do one or two hours in a day. I used to do that all the time. I'd have a client call in the morning, client call in the afternoon for a different company, super tired, super unfocused and not get anything done for my own business. So the first step could be just moving them away from hourly and into daily and explaining the context switching part of it. So what's Jonathan's uh, new podcast about? Uh, oh yeah, it's uh, it's really cool. So we he plays his YouTube videos and leaves. And uh, what else? Nope, that's it. Explaining you have other clients who have to give you know real attention to and explaining if you have to do a three-hour workshop for someone or a three-hour session, you're not going to do anything for anyone else. So they're essentially blocking the whole day for you. The second thing is really, you know, if you have them already at the daily part, moving to packages is much easier. Telling them, look, sometimes when we do a project together, I need more time. Sometimes when we do a project together, I need less time. It's not about how much time it takes me. This is not manual labor. This is purely about your result. So this is the price of the result I'm giving you. So at AJ and Smart, you know, if I'm doing a leadership retreat and their goal is to come out with a strategy, a strategy for the next year, and it's three days long, and on the first day we get it, I'm still charging them the full price. They're not paying for my time, they're paying for my result. And that's really- I don't know if that's really obvious what I meant there. It's like, if we do it, if it's a three day thing, and on the first day we actually solve the problem, then they still have to pay for the full three days. That, that's what I meant there. Really what you got to get into your head. Forget about time, think about results, and don't feel bad if you do something faster for a client. I often see people dragging projects out. And I- by, by the way, I have to give Chris Doe some credit here because he does really good videos on this topic too. He does really good um, practical videos on value-based pricing. I remember I used to do this too, like dragging things out so it seems like you're working more. Nobody cares. That's something that you're creating for your client. You're creating this thing that the hours equals how much money you're supposed to be getting. What people are paying you for is a result. And if you get that result in six weeks or in six hours, it doesn't matter. You still should be charging the same price because that is the value of that result you're giving. So transitioning your clients is really just about changing their mindset that you're a laborer who's just doing work and kind of banging away and and, and just like logging in the hours versus you're a knowledge worker. You're there to give them an answer to something. You're there to give them a result, not to give them your hours. And that's the mindset you need to be giving to clients so that you can make them transition from hourly or from daily to package. Some people worry like, will I lose some clients if I do this? The answer is yes. In the short term, you might lose some clients. We were working with a really big football company here in Germany for a while. They could call us anytime and do some hourly UX design work. One day I called them up and I said, we don't do that anymore. We only do packages of six weeks. Uh, the package is this price. And they said, okay, we don't want that anymore. And it took about six to eight months for them to come back, but then they booked this package. And now we still work together in the way that we want to work. You shouldn't be afraid of firing clients or letting them self-select themselves out. If you want to work uh, with result-based pricing, just go for it. I mean, that's the only way you're going to get it working. And don't worry about clients leaving you. Honestly, one of the biggest things you can do is actually figure out how to get more and more and more clients. That's a whole other video on lead generation. I don't even know if we have one on our channel yet. But yeah, that's that's really going to be the important thing there is understanding that it can happen that some clients will leave 
but that's okay. You need to let them filter themselves out. And usually it's not one day to the next that I call them up and say, hey, tomorrow, from tomorrow on, we only work with package pricing. What I usually say, what, what I said back in the day was, hey, with the next booking, the next booking that you have with us, you've already booked us for three months, but the next booking, I want to tell you, we're working in a new way. Um, you know, it's up to you. I think the transition took about six months for us at AJ and Smart from hourly to full package pricing. We haven't had an hourly rate or a day rate on, a, on an invoice for about six years now, but it did take about six months and it did take some care. And, and we didn't also want to be cruel to the clients. We really liked them, but we did have to tell them that's what's going to happen. There's no other options. We're just changing the way we work. And of course, some clients did leave. Um, but yeah, you don't have to do it overnight. If all of this was interesting to you, if the idea... All right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, the end of the video links to like a one and a half hour free training, which we're not going to go through now, although it would be within the uh, the way this podcast works. So, but yeah, um, it was game changer for us when we cha- when we moved from this sort of what other agencies are doing to looking at it like these packages, which which the clients can't pick apart. And the other thing, I don't know if I mentioned it here, it's also that the clients, it's much harder and much more embarrassing and much weirder to ask someone just to lower the price of something. Like if someone just, if you're like, hey, this sandwich is $5 and you say, no, I want it for four, that's weird. But if you give people a big list of things that are in the sandwich with a price attached to them, you might say, actually, I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want this. And then you can lower the price. But if it's just one package price, it's very hard for a client to just be, uh, it's weird. It's more awkward, basically, um, as it kind of should be, because you, you as the uh, service company, should know how much you want to be charging for stuff like that. If you have any questions, by the way, I should have said this earlier, you can either comment underneath this video, so just go to... Um, maybe I'll add it to the description now, uh, but you can also just go to YouTube and type in unscheduled CEO and you can type a comment underneath the video, this current episode, or you can go to howtobusiness.substack.com, go to this episode and you can leave comments underneath. And I generally read those out on these episodes, as you'll see towards the end of this episode, when we go to your questions. All right. Let's, let's actually go into a, let's go into a topic that I think is really, really interesting and it's, I don't know, I don't exactly know how to present it, but I got the feedback and I understand it that me just reading stuff is not that interesting for this podcast. And I, I, it's a rare thing that I actually, it's not that I necessarily agree with you guys. It's more that I just don't want to do it as well. So it, it's, it fits. And, um, so what I thought I'd do is I'm going to, uh, I kind of put to, put this together in a way that I think is interesting. So the topic that I want to talk about today, oh wait, um, let's see, do I have a main topic music? Yes, I do. Let's do, let's get, let's, all right. All right, everybody, let's go to the main topic. And today we're talking about how to get what you want out of life and how to figure out what you want in the first place. And I'm going to kick it off. I'm going to kick it off with a quote from Naval Ravikant, which I think a lot of you listening to this podcast will know. And he's a 
very famous investor, angel investor, founder of Angel List, and he's sort of like a philosopher at this point. Uh, he gets quoted quoted a lot. Um, if you don't like Naval, you probably already don't like this podcast. So you also will not like this quote. Uh, I, I I actually googled the quote because I wanted to find it, and then I looked at the comments, and I was like, oh my fucking god. Um, yeah, there it's a it's a tr- it's a quote that can trigger a lot of people. So his quote is the only real test of intelligence is if you get what you want out of life. The silence is for dramatic effect. By the way, this this music, I was looking for something that sounded like interstellar, which I would be allowed to use. <laughs> okay, so the only real test of intelligence is if you get what you want out of life. Let's let's listen to Naval actually talking about this because there's a clip that I found. Look, I'm doing hard work for you guys here. I'm doing hard work. Let's listen to what Rev- Naval had to say about this. One of my other related tweets is, you know, um, the only true test of intelligence is if you get what you want out of life. And this one triggered a lot of people, which I love. I love the tweets that I trigger a lot of people, but they're undeniably true, which is, uh, the, intelligence is like this abstract concept that we talk about, but the, the real measure is, just, did you get what you wanted out of life? And there's a two, there's a two parts in there. It's not just one part. One part, of course, is were you able to hack reality to get what you wanted? But the more important part is, were you smart enough to figure out what to want in the first place? And that means there are many booby prizes that simply aren't worth having. And then there are others that are out of your reach. It's ludicrous for me to desire wings or even to travel into a rocket into outer space because it's either low ROI effort or it's unachievable for me. So what I want to do is to figure out um, what it is that is worth wanting. And remember, not wanting something is as good as having it. So if you can not want in the first place, that's even better. But uh, the test of intelligence here is getting what you want out of life, but also knowing what to want. So when life is a single player game, you get to craft it. It's a blank canvas. It's not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. It gives you a level of freedom you would not have. Multiplayer games are inherently less free. Single player games are more free. I encourage a single player frame simply because society will not encourage it. You won't encounter it outside of the individual and also because it gives you back your agency. And it has the benefit of being largely true. Oh, it just stops. <clears throat> okay, so there's some context on this idea that uh, the only real test of intelligence is getting what you want out of life. And um, yeah, I think it, it it is. a. When I read that statement, I was like, interesting because yeah you can you can test people's mathematic skills you can and and of course it brings up like if you're a very basic person the first thing you'll do is you'll say yeah well what about donald trump or what about hitler or what about evil people who were able to do things it's not looking at every single it's 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 assuming that you're going to do the work in your mind and not touch on every single one of those things and also the type of people who who reply to things like that are just uh not worth trying to talk to anyway that that's the kind of thing when i'm talking to my friends and i'm like oh there's this really interesting concept and they're like yeah well what about hitler it's like oh um that's not that's not what i was that's not what i was trying to um his idea here is that if you want something let's say you want to um be a 
financially independent freelancer and uh and you do that and you make that work and you figure that all out then that is a sign that you in your way are intelligent and um the other thing here is the if you, you when you meet someone and they really have everything that they wanted that they that they want and when they look when they try to achieve something they actually achieve it and um this is a real sign of intelligence it's the only real test of real intelligence. And then the second thing he says is like, but how do you actually figure out what you want? And that's very, very difficult. And I thought I'd take two angles on this today. One of these angles is this idea of using selfishness and listening to what you really want and listening to your inner guide as a way to find what you want. And I find, I found this episode of a podcast called The Art of Accomplishment extremely valuable and extremely like mind blowing. And so we're going to listen to some of that today. Um, I hope they're okay with me playing this on my podcast. If they are not, if you're not, if you're listening to this somehow, uh, the people who made this, um, I'm sorry, but it is, I'm just going to play your thing and give you all the credit for it. So it's, um, the uh, YouTube channel is The Art of Accomplishment. Um, the video that I'm watching is called What is Selfishness? And um, yeah, it's a great video. I'm just going to two seconds there. I got to got to um, I'm just going to wait a second. So I'm going to play this video. We're on the topic of getting what you want. I'm going to play this video and you're going to get you're going to start getting a feeling for what I'm talking about here. All self-interest, it seems, leads if you allow it to, it leads to a more refined understanding of what makes us happy. Welcome to The Art of Accomplishment, where we explore how deepening connection with ourselves and others leads to creating the life we want with enjoyment and ease. I'm Brett Kistler, here today with my co-host, Joe Hudson. So a lot of the work that we do in these courses has been around finding our wants finding our needs and our wants and asking for what we want and getting what we want and just really living into our own self-interest and loving it and trusting it as good. And a lot of this seems to conflict with a lot of the programming that we've gotten from parenting or from society around selfishness and not being selfish and being selfless. And I'm curious to dive into, in this episode, the line, if there is a line, between healthy self-interest and what we call selfishness. How do you define selfishness? I have a probably a pretty uh, ludicrous. So this is a podcast. Like I mentioned the art of accomplishment. Um, I think I was. I can't remember why I started listening to this podcast, but I think there was something about anxiety, and I was listening to some episode about anxiety, and uh, I came across this episode, and I was like, "Holy shit!" This this checked a lot of boxes for me where selfishness is seen as a bad thing. It's always frowned upon. Uh, the idea that you would have any self-interest is always negatively correlated to being like a bad person, whatever. And what they talk about here is that, and I, I think they that, that quote at the start is really interesting. I want to repeat that quote here. I think it's literally the first sentence. Listen to this. All self-interest, it seems, leads, if you allow it to, it leads to a more refined understanding of what makes us happy. And I just want to say, 
what makes us happy, uh, you can swap that out with, with what you actually want. Um, all self-interest, if you allow it, leads us to a more refined understanding of what makes us happy. So look, I'm just going to play more of this episode because I think it's fucking amazing. Uh, let's, let's keep listening. Selfishness. I have a, probably a pretty, uh, ludicrous <laughs> definition of it, but it's what your parents told you you were when they wanted you to do something else. Come on. That's like ethic selfishness. It's not just parents. I mean, I, I think it's what other people tell you you are when they want you to do something else. Come on. I think that's really what selfishness is. Every time I've watched a parent call somebody selfish and, and then, you know, they become adults and then they think they're selfish. It's always because the parent wants them to do something else. And so, or they're not doing what they want. Right. So it's almost a projection of selfishness from the parent hmm. to even call. If you're listening to this and this has given you like a holy fuck moment, um, this, this idea that selfishness is often programmed into you by what people, basically people want you to do something. And if you don't do it, you're selfish. Let me know in the comments if this, if this kind of triggered something for you in the way it did for me. Um, I'm curious because I don't know what the fuck you all want to listen to or, or see me react to. Um, I'm just doing what I want here. And it's also a good way for me to re-listen to these things and relearn them. Um, but I, I think that's crazy. I think that's a great way of looking at selfishness. Call your kids selfish is, hey. is a selfish act, you know, and uh, if you're defining it the same way, because a kid's whole job is to learn how to assert their will and to get their wants and needs met. And of course, like there's no two-year-old who's like, let me think about world peace. <laughs> the two-year-old's like, cookie, I want it. You know, that's, that's the job of a two-year-old. So it seems to be that that's what selfishness is. It's it's the things that your parents wanted you to do for them that you didn't do. <laughs> that's hmm. that's my definition of it in the more ludicrous sense. In the another way to look at it, or like maybe a more all self interest, it seems leads if you allow it to. It leads to a more refined understanding of what makes us happy. So if you please tell me, some of you have like written that down in your notepad or something. I love that sentence. It's great. I'd never heard of it defined like this before. Never. Allow yourself to explore your wants and your desires without a whole bunch of guilt, without a whole bunch of like, oh, I made a mistake. Just simply like, oh, I explored that desire and that didn't actually feel as good as other ways of interacting. Then what it actually leads you to is like a deep level of altruism which also has its own selfishness in it, meaning that altruism feels good. There's a great feeling physical in helping other people. There's a great emotional, mental feeling of being um, selfless. So I don't really see a difference. I see it more as an evolution. And the more that we allow ourselves to follow our wants, the more we become selfless in the standard way of looking at it. But it's just really refining how to be really good at being selfish. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about this idea of becoming really good at being selfish and a thing that comes to mind is just some ways that people are really successful at getting what they want but often at the expense of other people. 
Oh, good. They talk about this, so I don't have to do the... I think this is actually good that they're bringing this up because I I think a lot of people... I see in the comments of these things and of Naval's thing, a lot of people don't want to learn. They just want to be right or they want to find the problem in something. So someone will hear this and they're like, well, what about... And then just put bad person's name in here and and then they just discard the entire concept because of that. And I think that's very close-minded, but I'm glad this guy is... I'm sure this guy wrote this question because he was like, well, there's stupid piece people listening to this who are going to be like, blah, 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 blah. And, uh... Ugh. Well, not. And so, uh, like, in the parenting example, I'm just gonna I can go imagine back. at the expense of ways that people are really successful at getting what they want, but often at the expense of other people not. And so, uh, like, in the parenting example, I can imagine a parent who calls their child selfish as a way to teach them how to operate in a group. Like this is something that society labels as selfish. If you are going to eat all of the cookies, you're not going to have any. Okay. That actually is a good point as a parent. I also, yeah, it's good. It's good that I'm hearing this again. Friends. And also it might just be a way to help somebody. Let's say there's a child, there's, there's multiple children playing together and one of them is five years older than the other one. And it's just way more (laughs) capable in terms of their nervous system and their size mm-hmm. and their sophistication at getting what they want, yes. even subtly manipulating the younger one. So it, it could also be used, I could imagine, by a parent to try to find harmony in a with a increased awareness of what's going on with the kids, trying to find harmony in a group. And so, yeah, you're, you're pointing out something really beautiful. And I think it's kind of the same thing that the Buddhists in some way are pointing out where they say, you know, like craving and aversion where it's like all the root of all pain is desire. Yet, you know, a Buddhist monk gets up and walks. There must be some desire there or eats. There must be some desire there or meditates. There must be some desire there. So what's the distinction? The question is, what's the distinction that we're making? And what we want to be able to do is have some moralistic response to that, which is, you know, don't eat all the cookies in any situation. Don't eat all the cookies, but we can all construct some idea where the, the best thing to do for the group is to eat all the cookies or the best thing for the group is actually deep self-interest because if you can't take care of yourself, then, you know, how does the whole or how does your community take care of itself? So it's this, it's this constant thing. And, and that's, I think the evolutionary journey that we're talking about. So, if we allow ourselves to constantly find out what our deepest want is and explore that deepest want, then it leads us to a deeper and deeper altruism. It leads us to deeper and deeper care of other people. It leads us to greater and greater compassion. So I'm saying that the mechanism to teach compassion and empathy and altruism is to support somebody's wants to allow them to explore them and define the faults in them so that they can find the deeper want. And that's an important point because sometimes you think you want something and you really don't know that you don't want it until you explore it. And that can be a specific type of job, even specific type of food, even wanting to live in a specific country could be anything. But if you do not get to explore that, you're just thinking about it the whole time. (laughs) Even a really basic example for me is like, 
I'm like, oh my god, I really want a gaming PC. I really want one. Ah, blah 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 blah. And I was thinking about it forever. And I was like, oh, there's all these games I want to play on a gaming PC. Blah blah blah. And I ended up buying one for like three thousand euro. And I played it like two times. And I was like, oh yeah, no, I definitely don't want this. And it was a mistake. And I, you know, I'm. It's not like I'm going to sell it. I'm going to get some money back. I'm going to lose some money, but it got it out of my head. That's a really basic, stupid example, but uh, I explored the want. Instead of the shallow want that feels like crap, right? The heroin addict wants to do heroin, but it feels like crap. You know, you might want to gorge yourself on cookies, but it feels like crap. And and then the deepest level, what is what actually is it? Is it does it feel better in the moment to eat all the cookies or does it feel better in the moment to share? But if you're doing it out of... Eat all the cookies. Of a moralistic sense, if you're doing it because you try not to be selfish, then it's worthless and you don't actually get the benefit of it. <laughs> you know? And you don't learn to do it because of the pure love of doing it. You're doing it out of a, just a form of self-preservation. So it's just a horrible way to teach it. That's what I'm pointing to. This is pointing to something that comes up in a lot of the group dynamics. And it creates resentment when you're doing things just for other people and just to not be seen as selfish. Um, you start to get resentful. You're like, oh, I did all this stuff for other people and they didn't do it back for me. You see that a lot with, um, you see that a lot with like parents of the previous generation who are just like gave up everything for their kids and talk about how great it is that they had kids, but are also t- deeply resentful. Um, which is a shame. Of course, they're extremely selfless and a lot of people who are selfless are also very bitter. And I really started to notice that and this really clicked for me. In the courses where if you are, if you have some desire from your self-interest and then from this moralistic standpoint, you're withholding that desire that it actually builds some form of resentment towards others. And another... Damn. Okay, I did listen to this before, but not for like a year. So, uh... I probably, the thing is, I, I think I'm really smart and I have all these talking points, but I just learn it from other people. So there you go. There's proof. Thing that can happen then is in, in groups, imagine, you know, there's a plate of cookies and so frequently in groups, the last cookie will just go uneaten because everybody will not allow themselves to have the want for the last cookie and assume that the cookie is for everyone else. Therefore, the cookie goes uneaten. And this kind of thing is a metaphor for something that happens so frequently in groups and in leadership and in companies where everybody's thinking something that they want the group to have some wisdom that they want to bring in and they're afraid it'll hurt feelings or just be seen as selfish, even if it's just their own want. Like I want this meeting to end. I'm bored. That might be something that everybody is about to say, but nobody wants to be, you know, rocking the boat or offending. Exactly. I mean, that, that exact example has happened with me so many times where when people start to realize that their wants are the company's wants, that their needs are the company needs, like the needs of the individual parts of the organism is the need of the organism. That exactly happens. And and you'll see it. You'll see somebody go, wow, okay, this me. What's also interesting is um, I've been talking about this topic a lot over the last few months since I learned about it. Um, being selfish. And I, I actually try to encourage people to test being selfish around me and to say what they really, really want, even if they think I won't like it. And what always happens is that the thing that they want is, from my perspective, actually not selfish at all. And I'm actually delighted to know what they really, really, really want. 
And often it actually aligns up with what I also wanted anyway. It's just that you have this weird stalemate. And, uh, yeah, there's so many cases of this in the last few, in the last few months. Um, even the thing about like, for example, getting invited to a wedding and you're like, fuck, like that's really going to clash with my plans. I have to travel. I have to do this and then, but then everyone still does it. And it's like a big obligation versus what I recently did is I told a friend, look, I'm, I'm actually not going to come to the wedding. Um, it's, it's in, you know, it's in a couple of months. It will be a big job for me to get there. Um, this person had absolutely no problem with it at all and was even a little bit relieved to have slightly less people coming because it's less expensive. And so it's, but in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, I can't say I'm not going to this. You know what I mean? And I think this is one of those things where often people get often everyone benefits from you being selfish if that's what it really is aka saying what you actually want or exploring what you actually want this podcast even i'm being very very selfish with this podcast you know there's like i said there's people commenting on it and saying oh i'm not getting any information out of it blah 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 and I could just be like, you know what? I'm going to make this podcast so much better. It's going to be way more like what everyone wants. And then I'll stop doing it because I'll get bored and, and I'll get irritated. And then nobody gets anything. That's It's really better for me to do this in the most selfish way possible for the people who actually enjoy it because I'll just stop doing this if I end up not enjoying it. Uh, and with that said, please... Um, please, if you're on YouTube, please like and comment on the video. Please subscribe to the Unscheduled CEO YouTube channel. If, look, if you've, if you've, if you're actually listening this far and you like it, the favor I'd like you to do me this week is just go to YouTube, just subscribe to the Unscheduled CEO, uh, channel. Maybe give a like on this video. That's all. That's all I ask. That is all I ask. I really want to be more interested in this meeting. And all of a sudden, like, 10 people smile. They're like, yeah. And then all of a sudden the meeting can shift into something else, but that would be a selfish thing to say. Right. So, so people don't say it. That would be rude. So people don't say it. That would be self-interested so that people won't say it, but it's actually the thing that everybody wants to hear, or at least a good portion of people want to hear. And that is the example in everything. Oftentimes when you're like, there's a marriage and they're in trouble, it's just, they stop telling each other what they actually want. Right. They're just constantly trying to accommodate each other. And so their wants aren't being met. And the other thing about that that you pointed to subtly is that whatever the want is that you have, if you sublimate it, it comes out in different ways. So what you start seeing is where there's a whole bunch of wants that have been sub subjugated in, in a just for the non-native English speakers, because I know that there's a lot of people in Germany, it's like if you suppress it, if you push it down, if you ignore it. By the way, I have my window open behind me, so you might hear traffic now, um, but I need a little bit of breeze. But yeah, subjugate or whatever. It just means like kind of push it down, go around it, ignore it, whatever. Organization, it becomes very political. And gossipy. And gossipy. One of the things you see that creates that political culture is that people don't know how to succeed. Um, they don't know what it is that means they've succeeded. So they they think the only way to move up through the ranks is to please the people above them. But the other way that it happens is that people aren't clear about what they want. And it's like, it's seen as selfish or, or greedy. And so it becomes a lot more political, especially at the leadership level. Like if the leaders can't be clear about what they want, then 
it wow, it gets really funky really quick inside of an organization. An example here would be if there is a leader of an organization who is owning what they want, but their wants are coming from a place of fear. And what they really just want is for everybody to do what they say because they're afraid of how things are going to go and they're afraid of trusting other people's intuition and other people making decisions. Then from that position of power, they can... They yeah, but other people are stupid. Okay. I am joking. ...can want everybody to listen to them and not recognize maybe that they have a deeper want, which is... You know, I think all of our deeper want is to be in a group where everybody's getting their needs met and getting what they want, but we don't see that when we're in fear. So when, when we have a group where there's a, a power imbalance or a hierarchy, how would you approach this as either the person in the position of power or a person not in a position of power with regards to getting needs met without having this concept of selfishness? as a form of control. Yeah, that's a great, great real life example. So it ha actually happens in two ways. So let's take the one you explained, somebody who's out of fear and th what they actually want on some level that they probably can't even recognize is they just want everyone to do what they say. First of all, if they can recognize it and they can say it, everybody's going to feel more calm. Like, hey, this is an organization where I just want people to do what, what I tell them to do. If you're down for that, stay. And if you're not... That's <laughs> such a big thing. Uh, in the early years of AJ and Smart, one of the things that made this such a shitty place to work is that I didn't clarify my selfish wants for how I wanted a company to be. And I was like taking on other people's way that they wanted me to run the company. And I started getting resentful and irritated and I fucking hated the company. Whereas now we are super clear. Look, um, like the teams are all different, but you know, Laura's team, it's like, look, this is, we don't have any clear career progression, so you won't get a lot of career coaching here. Um, you don't really get told very clearly what to do here. You have to really figure it out yourself. Um, it is hard work, and uh, sometimes there'll be also over hours because we have U.S. clients. Like We actually just almost try to turn people off at this point rather than getting people excited so that we can be clear, this is how this business works and what we like to do and what the people here like to do. And if you don't like that, you're not going to like this place. That's what we try to do. And it's really interesting because the people who are here now, so there was people here in the early days who would fucking hate every second of being at AJ and Smart today. Um, people who needed a lot of coaching or wanted a lot of coaching, wanted to know What's my three-year career plan at this company? All of this stuff. Today, it's like, look, we just don't do that. It's just not. It's just not. And, and the people who are here today, at least from my perspective, are having a great time and really enjoying it. And the turnover is minimal. Um, but yeah, me not being selfish and clarifying what I really wanted caused a lot of trouble at this company. Caused a lot of trouble. Not go. But that's what I want. I want to be that kind. There are definitely CEOs who run their companies that way. There's definitely people who want. Yeah, and AJ and Smart is more of a top-down business. It's not a flat hierarchy. Um, we do... It does happen that um, a leader will make a decision and then everyone just has to get on board. And um, yeah, I was, I was actually talking to uh, an ex-employee recently Um who was telling me, yeah, I, you know, it was really nice. It was really interesting. The projects were really interesting, but yeah, like 
the leader just kind of makes decisions and then we all have to get on board. And I'm like, and you know, whereas before I would have been like, oh yeah, yeah, maybe I should talk to that person. And, but now I'm like, yeah, that, that is, that is how agent smart is. Like we do have, we're not like hyper democratic. We're not like trying to get everyone on board. Um, if we believe in a direction to take, for example, that we're going to move in the facilitation direction, if we've decided that that's what we want to do, there's basically nothing you can do to stop it. And that is the people who are here today are excited by, excited by that approach to have, to have like a leadership. Okay. This is at least what they tell us in anonymous surveys. And we all hang out where, where we are. A lot of us are friends. Um, of course it could all be bullshit, but like I can compare it to how the old company felt and people tell me it, people do come to me and like say they don't like things. It's, it's not that anyone's afraid of me. Um, so yeah, whereas before people would come to me and be like, oh, this sucks and blah, 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 blah. And now people seem to be relatively satisfied. People are not quitting so often, uh, or at all. Um, and the people who do leave, tend to be people who maybe we didn't do a good job of telling them that you will basically be given the frame of how what we want to work on and you have to kind of work within that frame and you have to be okay with that and yeah we're better today at saying that we are that type of company and we are we are an opinionated company we make decisions we go in like nobody would have been able to stop me from making this podcast even if it you know what I mean? It, it would have been very difficult. I didn't ask anybody in the company, can I do this? Um, it wouldn't have been possible to, I wouldn't have sat down and had a democratic chat with everybody. It's just, it's just not like that at this company. And that's the type of company we are today. And we got, and, and it feels light. It feels joyful. I had breakfast with the entire team this morning. It's a fucking great experience being here. And. It's not how it was when it, when I was less willing to say what I really wanted. Okay, let's keep going. Let's keep going. To be in companies like that, wow, it's efficient. One guy tells me what to do. Boom, I know how to succeed. Boom. I just was talking to somebody on the plane the other day who said exactly that. I love working for this person because it's just like everything's efficient. They just tell you what to do. So that that's one thing. But if they can't say it or they can't own it in themselves, it'll get really weird and wonky inside the organization. The other side of that is you have, say, somebody, a CEO who wants everybody, he wants like collaborative, right? Or she wants collaborative. So they're completely not owning the things that they want to just say, do it this way. <laughs> so, And so that creates a whole bunch of weirdness too. So let's say... 80% they want collaboration, but 20% they just want it done their way. But they won't say, I just want it done this way on this one for me. And they're always trying to be collaborative. That creates a tremendous amount of guck in the system too, all sorts of politics. And and I'll actually do work with CEOs and with their team. And I'll say, okay, just tell them exactly what you want in the word, like in a complete asshole way. And then do it in a not asshole way. And then do it like when you're hedging. You don't want to tell them, but you're telling them. And you just see the CEO recognize at that moment how much of a relief it is to their people when he's just telling them what to do or she's just telling them what to do or when she's being clear 
that this is one of those places where we collaborate and I don't want to tell you what to do. That clarity of want is so useful for the people um, who are working with you. And they can say no. Hopefully you can trust your leadership team to say, yeah, no, I'm, I don't want to do it that way. I hear you want me to do it. but I, And so... It's a, it's a, another thing, for example, sometimes a, a new employee at AJ and Smart will like ask me like, oh, where's the company going? And like, where do you think we'll be in five years? And uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I just say, look, I, I don't really like to have a company where I know exactly what's going to happen in five years. And um, so I don't know, like it could be anywhere in five years. Like it could be, it, I have no clue. And uh, that's the truth. And maybe then uh, someone might be like, yeah, but you know, it'd be really helpful. It, what really common thing that used to happen here, it doesn't happen so often, but it still does sometimes. Like it would be really comp- uh, helpful to have like a vision, a clear vision, like a vision document or like a mission and blah, blah. And I just say, and my, my leads just say, look, that just isn't, that just, it just isn't this type of company. It's just not that type of company. And there are many other companies who are like that. It's just not how AJ and Smart is. We have... Another thing I, I also tell people like when uh, people join and they're like, oh, the communication is a, l- a little bit chaotic between this team, that team, blah, 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 and the central team. And I'm like, yeah, that actually is, but that actually is a quirk of AJ and Smart. And since it's basically been a quirk since for 12 years, uh, you can assume it's probably coming from me and you can probably assume it's never going to be fixed. And <laughs> believe me, like, Sometimes that just makes the person go, oh, okay. And they never think about it again because they know that quirk is now, it's, they've been seen. I, I, I like agree. Um, but I'm also selfishly saying, uh, we're not going to fix that for you. I'm sorry. Um, and often that gives both me relief and the leaders relief and the employee relief. And it's a technically selfish thing to do to not fix these things. When all the people are owning their wants, it's super functional. That self-interest is what drives really good uh, collaboration. If everybody's got their roles and they have self-interest in their roles and the roles are well-defined and they're the right roles, then then that's what makes a great company happen. Yeah, so, so something that brings up is if, like, let's say it's a company or let's say it's a community and I, I step into a group of people and let's say that group has a stable dynamic where people are actually anticipating each other's needs and they're doing this fairly well. Maybe they're not owning their needs fully. And then I step into the group and I'm just like, I know what I want. I know how to say it. I know how to ask for it. And I trust people to ask for what they want. And it just turns out that I'm projecting that everyone else in the group is as comfortable with their wants as I am. And it takes some time for me to realize that actually people are starting to give up what they want. They're hiding their wants. They're giving me more than they actually want to give. And then that's building resentment. And I could imagine it goes the other way too. If I don't feel comfortable in my own wants, I might just project that if I were to assert my wants, everybody else would give in when they don't want to. And that wouldn't be what I want. There seems to be some space in here for our own projections to kind of lead our behavior and also be incorrect. In all those ways, I've seen it happen. So somebody thinks that everybody should handle directness and either people give in or people think you're an asshole for asking directly for what you want or, or 
oppositely. Some people think that they'd be an asshole for asking directly and people get really pissed at them for being uncertain or for not being direct or straightforward or being political. So yeah, you see it in every way. And there's just signs that are really good. If someone feels resentful, it means that they're not going, they're not following what they want. They're not holding their boundaries. They're not saying the things that they want. They're not getting their needs met. So resentfulness is a really good way to find that indicator, the indicator of one of the sides of it, right? Where people are giving in. And then the other side of it is you'll get dismissed, right? If you're starting to really ask for what you want and people get resentful, you'll see either anger or dismissal from them. And that's another good indicator. But what you're basically asking in some level is, is something to the effect of, hey, if this, if there's an organism that's operating healthy in a healthy way and they get into a whole bunch of other organisms that are operating in, in an unhealthy way, there's going to be some. By the way, I'm amazed that so few people have seen this video on YouTube. Five views of this video. Um, so hopefully I've brought something to most of you listening that you haven't heard before. And I know it's weird to just like react to an entire other person's podcast, but, uh, um, I think this is interesting and I, I'm, I'm, ex I'm enjoying listening to this again. Friction. And I'm it's like I'm basically your podcast curator. Isn't that kind of like a cool thing? I'm going to say yes. Let me know in the comments. There's going to be some. And I only accept positive comments. Some friction. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't change the fact that everybody being clear about their wants is the healthy way for an organization to exist, particularly if they're owning their wants and they're also constantly refining their wants. That's part of the evolution. If you're not refining your wants, then the evolution isn't going to happen. So maybe the first thing you say is you're like, what I want is I want this lover who has like the perfect body. And so you, that's the thing you think you want. Maybe television has taught you that. You go off and you... Uh-oh, podcast is getting naughty. For anyone who's watching the video feed, uh, I love this green tea. Check this out. When I went to Japan, it was like, my obsession. It's uh, called Oi Ocha or Aito N, Japan's number one unsweetened green tea. It is so fucking delicious, lads. Follow that want. And you might find out, oh, wow, it's the perfect body is not all that. That's like really cool for the first couple times of being of lovemaking. But after that, I actually just want someone who's really sensual in their body. I really want someone who can, who can accept pleasure and, to, and who loves pleasure. And then that might become the new thing that you want. And then you follow that road down until, wow, actually I need real love connection for, for my love life to be great. And so you're refining your wants through that session. You're through those things, you're refining your wants. And for us to jump away from a want like the body to a want like loving connection then you're just constantly going to still be wanting the body <laughs> and, you, and the, you're never going to be able to fully dive into just the connection. So it's really important to just move through the wants and to, it's just like you watch a little kid all the time. You see these kids and they're saying, you know, they don't say anything, but they want to walk. They want to talk. These wants drive their evolution. And it's the same thing all the way through life. And it's not our evolution slows because we start questioning our wants, because we start feeling guilty about our wants, because we're selfish in our wants or we stop refining them. We're like, okay, yeah, we're just going after money, 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 money.
money, money, money. And until all of a sudden we're like 60 years old and we're like, holy crap, this doesn't make me happy. I guess I, I want something else. Yeah. The thing that I see you speaking to here is that there's this, there's this stair stepping down deeper and deeper into our wants. And the process you just described is actually, it's I just, I just spilled that green tea all over my keyboard. If you, if you're watching the feed, you'll see, I just spent the last two minutes cleaning my keyboard. So great green tea. Also great for spilling. Not trivial. That's, that's some major life changes to be, Hey, I'm going to try dating a partner who is, I'm going to search and find the person with the hottest body and then go through the period of a relationship with them that I discover that I actually want something else, which then involves being honest and vulnerable, moving on, or just being messy and avoidant, whatever that is, <laughs> and then moving into the next deeper want. So this, this process you're describing is, is a transformational process that is scary, especially if you're bringing it into a community or a family or a company that you feel very attached to. And so I'm, I'm curious how to facilitate. Um, if you're listening, if you've listened this far, I want to, I want to tell you if any of you are listening to this right now and you're just like laser focusing in on the specific examples and you're saying, Oh, easy for him to say because blah, 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 blah. Easy for him to say, but I have two kids. Easy for him to say, but I blah, 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 blah. Um, this definitely is not the podcast for you. The, the one of the things that bugs me the most is when I'm just trying to, ha like trying to talk to someone about a topic and get excited. And instead of jumping in on the conversation or adding anything or wanting to talk about it, they just say, Oh, well, that's easy for if I'm telling them about someone like, Oh, well, that's easy for Naval to say because he's a billionaire. And it's like, well, yeah, I suppose that's true. But like, does that mean that the thing he said is then completely untrue? Like I want, I was just, I'm just curious about exploring this. Yeah. Easy for him to say, but blah, 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 blah. Um, if you ever catch yourself saying that's easy for that person to say or easy for me to say, uh, and you're listening to this podcast, it's, it is not going to ever be the podcast for you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's take internally this process if somebody's listening to this episode and they're like okay i want to move into my wants <laughs> easy for this guy to say his name is brett more deeply what's the way to approach this that facilitates this personal transformation oh he said facilitates uh oh he said the word let's do it he said the word facilitates facilitates let's do this yes facilitate 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 it's time to facilitate yes let's facilitate baby facilitatorclub.com what is my problem? I need help. All right, let's get back. In the least damaging way in the groups that we're in. Wait, did he say facility? I'm just kidding. And I'm, I'm imagining an example being like <laughs> approaching my company and saying, hey, so I realized that for years I haven't been asking for what I want. And I've been really trying to get the 
you know, the group intelligence to bring up what it wants and my wants haven't actually been present. So I'm going to experiment with bringing my wants into this more. And also I really want to be able to trust people to say no. That sounds like a pretty cool way to do it. <laughs> I mean, also on top of that, you could say things like, Hey, how do you want to be, how do you want to hear my wants? How important are my wants mm. to hear for you? So you can actually get the feedback. They're like, yeah, oh, we've been waiting for you. Please tell us what you want. Like, <laughs> and you can ask them how they want to receive it, how they want you to deliver it. Like all that stuff is all flexible and, and can be something that that agreement makes the whole thing easier. The conscious, so the principle there is that you bring it forward in a conscious way in a meta context first so that people know what's coming, know how it's coming and you're listening to them in the process of it and making sure that you're finding a way that works for you and for them. That's the trick. Yeah, it seems that another component is just being prepared for major changes. If you're going through this process, your wants are going to change significantly and that that might mean owning it as that occurs and people being disappointed with you. People's wants, other people's wants around you might change. Yeah, so the weird thing is if you ask 20 people, they, how many of you would want to be with somebody who's doing it because they feel obligated to be with you? <laughs> like... 19 out of 20, maybe 20 out of 20 is going, no, I don't want it. So it's, it's actually really interesting. If you say to somebody like, I'm doing this out of obligation and that's not fair to you and it's not fair to me. And this is what I actually want. There's usually a tremendous amount of understanding there. There's a lot of fear to say it. You know, people are very scared to say what they want. And it's because they were, we were all told as when we were young that our wants were bad that we were bad to have certain wants. And we had when we had certain wants, our, uh, the love was removed. I just want your attention, mom. You're needy. You know, you're, you're clingy, whatever. Like we were taught that, that like to own a want is an incredibly vulnerable thing. And we got... You are needy, my child. <laughs> Listen to me, child. You are needy rejected a lot for our wants and so we just start shutting them down but there are evolutionary pull that's why i talk to my child by the way when she's like daddy i'm hungry silence silence my child you're too needy <laughs> it's like the way that a tree bends to the light our wants are that same kind of mechanism. They teach us the next step. This is kind of like, uh, you know, when someone's like, oh, you should check out this video. You're at a party and they're like, hey, hey, check out this funny video. And it's like, a, it turns out to be like a one or two minute long video. And you have to stand there pretending to like, haha, thanks. This is, this is like the one and a half. This podcast is the one and a half hour version of that situation. In our learning process, not the ultimate best step, but the next step in our learning process. And if it becomes like a craving, if it becomes what I would say the Buddhists describe as desire, where it's like you're like a hungry ghost, it's a pretty good indicator that it's not no longer a healthy want. It's not a pretty, it's an absolute indicator that it's, that we're not in a healthy want. Oh, wait, I need to go back and listen to that, that, that again. Our learning process. It's okay. like the way that a tree bends to the light. Wait, Our want, Sorry. You're, you're clingy, whatever. Like we were taught. That, that like to own a want is an incredibly vulnerable thing. 
and we got rejected a lot for our wants. And so we just start shutting them down. But there are evolutionary pull. It's like the way that a tree bends to the light. Our wants are that same kind of mechanism. They teach us the next step in our learning process, not the ultimate best step, but the next step in our learning process. And if it becomes like a craving, if it becomes what I would say the Buddhists describe as desire, where it's like you're like a hungry ghost, that's a pretty good indicator that it's not no longer a healthy want. It's not a pretty, it's an absolute indicator that it's, that we're not in a healthy want there anymore, that you're in an addictive or an obsessive want. And that there's a want, there's a deeper want that will satisfy you. I guess there's a, my final question for this episode. How can we... Re- That's interesting. I wish they went into that more. Like, what do they mean by an unhealthy want, like an addiction? Um, is it maybe like following my wants and I end up realizing I love video games, but then I play them 24 hours a day and I obsess about it and I can't do anything else? Uh I guess something like that, or like, oh, I, I realize I like alcohol, and then, but actually, I really like it, and you know, that kind of thing, maybe. Relate to somebody in our lives who we have been relating to as selfish, and relate to them in a different way, recognizing that that they are they're exploring what they want, and then helping helping facilitate or support. Did he? Did he just say? Um, did he just say facilitate because I feel like he might have just said facilitate facilitation let's do this yeah 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 they're exploring what they want and then helping helping facilitate or he... support them in exploring what they want <laughs> even if what they currently want might be a short did he just say sighted hungry ghost kind of uh behavior while having our own boundaries i would say helping them facilitate only if they want <laughs> did he just say facilitate that right but the best thing is to do it on, in yourself. And if you do it in yourself, it becomes so clear with everybody else. And there's this cool little exercise you can do that'll really, oh, really exercise. make this whole thing like a workshop. go away from just like intellectualizing. Like somebody right now is listening to this thing and they're like, well, actually wants are this and utilitarian, you know, philosophy says blah, blah, blah. All great stuff. Don't get me wrong. But if you want to just make it real, hmm. just... Write down the want that you have that you don't want to admit to yourself, right? That you're most, you feel most guilty of. Right? Okay. We're going to do this exercise together. Okay. Wait, let's see if there's any more to it. Right. Uh, some sexual thing or, oh, dirty podcast. Some money thing usually will, you know, be the right thing there, but whatever it is, some fame thing, something you have guilt about. And then just ask yourself, what's the need behind that want? And whatever you come up with, just ask yourself again, what's the need behind that want? And whatever you come up with, then just ask again what the need behind that want is. And you just keep on going down and you will find that every single one of your wants is 
based on something essential that humans need to thrive. The wants are just strategies. I would love to hear if anyone does that exercise. So writing down a want, something that embarrasses you, something that you maybe wouldn't say to other people, and then what's the need behind that want? And then what's the need behind that want? And what's the need? I would love to see in the comments, either on YouTube here, I know not a lot of people have gotten this far, but either on YouTube here or howtobusiness.substack.com, click on the latest episode and comment there. I'd love to see if anyone did this exercise and if it was interesting and maybe if you're even willing to share the results so i could share it on the next episode if you want to be anonymous you can just say don't say my name and i can i can do that right the wants are just a strategy and, and we're going and learning our strategies to get to the place where we're where we can be happy and healthy and thrive and when you see that inside of yourself all of a sudden so that's an exercise to help you figure out what you want out of life is that going to be basically the name of the podcast episode? And it's really this exercise. This exercise will show you how to get what you want. No, this exercise will teach you what you want. No, I can't think of a hot one right now. Be clear with everybody else. And then it's, it's just, you can not judge them for their, their wants, which is the biggest issue. Anybody who's doing those short-term wants that that don't feel good that are self-destructive they they feel guilty about them on some level and so you can be with them in that without the judgment and the judgment keeps that guilt in place right so you can be without the, right. the judgment and you can say well what's actually going on here and be with them in that and that's the trick with yourself or with others is to really instead of saying this want is bad it's really saying like, what is this want really want? How do I really satisfy? By the way, when you have kids, um, it's so, whenever I would mention like that, I was, I don't know, maybe not enjoying all of the entire time of child raising. Uh, you know, if I try to bring that up with other people, it's like, yeah, I find it, you know, I'm not going to talk about it in detail on this podcast. It's too personal, but just this, this concept of not loving every moment of child raising a lot of people pretty much say oh you're just being selfish oh blah blah blah. and uh yeah they're kind of perpetuating this suppression and i see how that comes out in other people and it's not healthy what's going to make that 100 percent for me hmm. and then it's starting to explore and experiment that's beautiful yeah thank you joe yeah thanks it's been a great thank you joe yeah. That, so that was the Art of Accomplishment, episode 34 podcast. What is selfishness? Um, I think that's a great, great fucking conversation. And I do think a lot of people, at least for me, I hadn't, I hadn't heard that way of talking about selfishness. Um, I hadn't heard it being explored like that before. And, yeah, I think it was a bit of a game changer for me to hear that wanting things and uh, maybe like th things that are that would be considered to be selfish are not. It's it it can also be damaging to not at least somewhat explore uh, these topics because you can become resentful. And the other thing is you might actually want something that other people want too, and uh, not actually saying it, and not having. Uh, the conversation means everyone kind of misses out. So it's a, I, th I think it's a really great episode. So that is like kind of on the topic of how do you figure out what you want? 
And I think just based on how long this episode has been, I'm, and also I've got a friend visiting, uh, I might push the how to actually get what you want to next week. And so this episode will be how to figure out what you want in the first place. Yeah. Um, so that we also have time to move on to the mailbox and read some of your nice emails that you sent over the last week since the last episode. But I'd, I'd love to hear what you think about this topic of selfishness and what it triggered in you. And, you know, if you're running a business, especially people are like, people also think that's selfish. People think anything related to trying to make money is selfish. And yeah, it's, hmm, I think it's kind of often very toxic and it's often based on them just wanting you to do what they do what do you think let me know let me know on in the youtube comments let me know on the how to business Substack wherever you're listening to this episode and one more time if you if you're enjoying this you know one of the reasons one of the ways that i'll keep doing it is if i know people are listening and finding it useful um so yeah, I would love to hear your feedback. And yeah, I think what I'm going to do is jump into the comments that I have today on the Substack. Um, just because I'm running out of time, I'll probably just stick to the, to the Substack comments today. Um, let's go to the mailbox one more time. Write in, you can write in the YouTube comments or you can write, uh, go to howtobusiness.substack.com. Click on the latest episode, write your name. You can also subscribe to the Substack so that I email you whenever the new episode comes out. But um, that's up to you. Let's go to the mailbox. All right. Let's have a look. Oliver asks on Substack. Great piece. I learned so much. I wonder, back in the days when you created YouTube content about design sprints, was there already a demand, keyword-wise? Or did you kind of build up demand by not stopping to put out content? How did you know you would have an ROI, return on investment, of your content team? I guess in the beginning, it's just costing you money and your time. Uh, great question, Oliver. In the beginning, there was no demand for design sprints at all, uh, content-wise. And we made a, made a hardcore gut-feeling decision that this should be a big topic and that we want to make it a big topic and that uh, if we can make it a big topic, then we'll be the people who are at the very front of it. And it's the same with facilitation. Facilitation is not a big topic right now. Like it's a, It's not an original topic, but it's not something a lot of people are searching for or or a lot of people are excited about. And we are basically making the decision that we believe this should be big and that when and if it gets big because of our content push, then we are the ones who are there. So it's a bit like uh, we're creating the demand and um, supplying the demand. And that's a great way to have like a blue ocean because there's really not a lot else going on uh, in that space. Um, so there was no keywords. Like we had to basically invent what would work on YouTube for design sprints. Um, 
but we were just we just looked at other YouTube channels who kind of turned boring topics into interesting channels, and we just copied them. Uh, and we didn't know there would be a return on investment for content. That's one of the things about me that's very important to know. If someone smarter than me tells me to do something, then I don't need crazy evidence to just start it. So Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, we both. So just from reading his content, but also I sent my team to meet him uh, a couple of years ago. And, you know, he just said, start fucking creating content. Don't even think about it. Just do it. And so I told my team, we're not going to think about it. We're just going to do it. And we're not going to count the ROI, maybe ever. And so that approach is very powerful. Just produce, produce, produce. I mean, what's the ROI of this podcast? Nothing right now. Um, but if... I can stick to it. You know, if, if enough of you listen to it, um, then maybe it turns into something. So that's it. Uh, mm, Louis or Lewis says, Hey, Jonathan, loving the podcast. Uh, let's, 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 hey, Jonathan, loving the podcast and love this one especially. So he's talking about episode four. Your advice about how to get a mentor in particular was super interesting. It actually gave me the confidence in my attitude to sales, which is essentially providing a ton of value and being as helpful as possible to get clients, uh, to help clients with their goals. I've also reflected and the past five years or so have definitely met many people way more advanced than me uh, by essentially giving them something back that will help them, i.e. promote their book in a meaningful way, give them access to a larger number of target audience, etc., and I find it staggering how many agencies and freelancers will pitch like a 50k project after giving you a free webinar or something without even working out what your challenges are. It takes thought, time and effort to do it well. I've still got a ton to learn, but it has given me confidence in my approach. So yeah, last episode, I talked about the idea that people want to have mentors, they want to have access to important people, people more successful than them. And they do it in such a bad way. It's, it's just like, embarrassingly bad. Uh, go back to episode four, if you're interested in like, the, I, this thing of like how to get a mentor, episode four, near the start. Uh, thanks so much, Luis or Lewis. Jason Doggart writes in, Hey, Jonathan, love the podcast. Feels like when you talk through funnels you've built at AJ and Smart, it usually relates to your B2C products, courses and communities. B2C, is, well, you know what B2C is if you're listening to this. Do you use similar marketing and sales approach for B2B? wondering how these funnels play out when you're working with enterprises. So we create all of our like paid funnels for B2C. And what happens is people buy the B2C products. They join our B2C communities. So if you look at facilitatorclub.com, I would consider this to be a B2C community. So we're not targeting individual businesses. We're targeting individual customers. Business to It's like a direct-to-customer approach. And... There are people in that community from large corporates and guess what? Some of them are making appointments with the B2B team. So we target B2C and that leads to B2B, but we don't create funnels for B2B. It's too, it, well, we just, it just works so well to create a B2C product and then funnel people up the value ladder to B2B. So thanks for that, Jason. Um, thanks for your question. Tom Downing, uh, first, thank you for the effort and doing this regularly. I appreciate, I appreciate you saying that. Powerful insights into your brain. 
for free with no ask. The only, I do have an ask. Please subscribe to the unscheduled CEO YouTube channel, like and leave a comment so that more people see it. Um, and if you want to really help, like somehow get more people listening to this question one, have you ever got bored of what you do at AJ and smart? If so, what did you do about it? Yes. Always. I always, uh, it's happened many times where I felt like completely bored, completely lethargic, completely sick of AJ and smart and completely like, ugh, just like bored. Yeah. Like really bored. And I think for me, boredom, even though it feels really shit, it's a good system for me to, f- like, I don't just accept boredom. It pain, it, I, it feels so painful to me to be bored, uh, that I usually have to do something about it relatively quickly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've had a very boring times and I've, I have a lot of coaches who I've talked to this about. One of my coaches said, um, Jonathan, you know, in the beginning of running a business, it's like, and I, maybe I talked about this on the podcast. I don't know. In the beginning of running a business, you're a speedboat captain. Uh, you're just like smashing through the waves super fast. Like you're just using the, the, the gas and you're like going crazy and it's just the power and it's exciting. And as a business fight, like as a business gains momentum, like AJ and Smart has today, you have to become a sailboat captain or you have to leave and start a different business. And a sailboat captain is just a different mindset. It's, it's the mindset of letting, you know, you've got the wind in your sails and now you're just gently steering. And that was very challenging for me. It's still not completely solved. I mean, I'm still always just looking, trying to figure out how to not be bored. And, um, that's the journey. I mean, adding this podcast in is something that I find interesting. Um, I think it's normal to get bored and I think people who get bored and actually pay attention to it are, you know, I think that's the way to do it. Just pay attention to being bored and, um, yeah, just follow like the selfishness thing. Just see, see if you can figure out other things that you want to do and want to explore and just explore them and see if you like them. So yeah, that's what I would do. But yeah, I, um, generally also put people, um, in place. So like when I'm bored of running, one of the businesses, I generally find someone who's better at running it than me and less bored than me to run it. Um, and then I don't take part in the day to day of the things that I get bored of anymore. That's also one of the reasons you should build a business because, you know, if you're like me, you'll get bored of things. But if you get bored of things and you don't have a business, you just have to stop doing it and stop making money from it. If you get bored of things and you do own a business, someone else can run it for you. That's cool. It's great for everybody. Uh, question two from Tom Downing is when did you feel like things clicked into place and started working at AJ and smart? What did it feel like and look like? I really, it's hard to tell, but I honestly, I, I feel like it only really clicked into place in the last three years. Um, what it felt like is cash. So if you're running a business cash flow, it's like, how many months of money do you have in the bank? It used to always be like one month or two months or three months. And, you know, about three years ago, it just started going up and up and up and up. And we now have like, you know, over a year worth of cash flow in the bank of AJ and Smart. Meaning if we stop making money today, the company can still run for over a year without running out of money. Um, so I think when it felt like it clicked into place was when, 
we started making enough money and enough surplus and enough profit from our online courses and from the consulting business and from our training programs that about three years ago that I could stop looking at the cash flow document and worrying. So I was always tense when I would look at the cash flow document and now I'm like very relaxed about it. So that's the moment where it felt like it clicked. Um, probably, it probably wasn't a moment because I probably didn't believe it, but it was like maybe six months of the cash flow being so good. And then me being like, okay, this is, this is something special. Something's different now. Um, um, Connor Swanson, Swenson says, enjoying the pod have all have, I've been on holiday, so I missed the last couple, but listen to this one on my flight and it was solid. Cheers, man. Go back and listen to the old ones. Really liked what you said about if I haven't, if I have the opportunity to learn or from or spend time with someone ahead of me and I can afford it, then I'll always do it. Such a good rule and I'll steal it with pride. Yeah, Connor. Nothing can beat spending time with someone who is where you want to be. And that goes for not just business, but also relationships. You know, can you find a couple? Oh, fuck. I just nearly pulled it. Can you find a couple that like is as happy as you would like to be? Then, well, ask them what they do. (laughs) Try to like, I I think a, a lot of the times role modeling is like one of the best ways to, to just figure shit out. And can you find a bit like if you think being an unscheduled CEO and being able to kind of do your own hobbies while a business runs really well in the background, um, then you should maybe somehow listen to me. That might be useful. Um, I don't do mentoring, but find people. Oh, I just dropped my AirPods. Find people like me. Um, yeah. Uh, you know what? There's a lot of other... Qu- Wait, you know what? There's not. Um, Roddy, Roddy Vonk. Dude, thanks for writing in again. Thanks for taking the time. Spencer's video was definitely a good watch. I saw it before you discussed it on your podcast. Interesting indeed. As you mentioned in the podcast, how he shows his knowledge of the business model canvas by analyzing AJ and Smart's business... Is my friend here? Uh, by... Analyzing it, uh, Agent Smart's business model, it reminded me of what you mentioned in your previous episode about running events to sell your services. With a colleague facilitator, facilit- we run 60-minute online LDJ sessions. LDJ is Lightning Decision Jam. It's just a type of workshop. Regularly for our marketing, participants are always amazed to see and experience how this tool works. It's really a taster. Yeah, like I talked about it, I think, in episode two or episode three. It's the one that says our number one marketing hack. This listen to this episode if you want to know how to sell using events. Um, yeah, Roddy, it's a it's an amazing tool. Um, Alexander Durant Shabert says maybe chapter your next uh, next episode on YouTube. <laughs> um, nah, I wrote too much effort for me. It's still too much effort to me. Um, but thank you anyway. I appreciate it. So listen, everyone. <sighs> I had a lot more I want to talk about today, but um, I think we're done. If you, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, comments on YouTube. I'm like, I'm curious just if people are listening to this and how you're listening to this. Are you just playing it in the background? How does it work for you? Uh, did you find today interesting? Did you find it somewhat useful? Of course, I'll stop doing the podcast if no one finds it useful. Um, once the the uh, novelty of it being an art project wears off, but if you would like me to keep doing this if you find it useful if this is something that you think you'd like to have 
weekly in your ear if it, if you find it comforting or interesting. Uh, let me know in the comments, please subscribe to the unscheduled CEO YouTube channel. I kind of put random stuff out there sometimes too. And, uh, yeah, write me on YouTube comments or, uh, howtobusiness.substack.com. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I think this was an interesting, I think this is probably the loud longest episode I've created of it so far. Um, I actually would love to get to three hours. I'd like to get this to make this even longer. Um, well, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate everyone's feedback um, or comments, encouragement. And um, yeah, next week is the retreat, our team retreat. I, I'm not actually making it back into Berlin until Monday. So I might either I'm going to bring my recording equipment with me to david jp phillips house maybe i can even get him on the podcast or i'm not going to do an episode i bought actually a travel case um let me know let me know if i should do an episode at the team retreat maybe i will thanks so much everybody thanks for your time thanks for your comments thanks for your patience thanks for everything and uh Appreciate you. Bye-bye. See you next week.